If you've ever been right over here in the Shepherdstown vicinity to the Morgan's Grove Park, you'll notice there that there is a, a steel frame pavilion. If you walk outside that pavilion down to the lawn side off of the driveway side and look at that pavilion, you'll notice below the slab that there is a, a row, it's a foundation of, of stone. On that precise foundation of stone um, was a home that was called Fountain Rock. It was a beautiful home. I've seen pictures of it. One afternoon, um, under the direction, direct direction of Captain Frank Martindale, the first New York Calvary rode in the driveway right there in our community. And they gathered uh, the family in the front of the house, gave them direct orders to remove themselves and their belongings. They had limited time. And then they scattered straw throughout that home, dumped on kerosene, and they burned it to the ground. Today, that, that pavilion stands on that very site. Captain Martindale and his men then moved up the driveway, and if you would come out of the Morgan's Grove Park on the side road, turn and go over the railroad tracks, and then left, where there's two stone pillars there today, go straight down that gravel lane, you will come in the driveway of a home called Falling Spring. It still stands there beautifully today. In fact, um, one of my wife's dearest friends, Lori Schwartz, who she grew up with over at Hedgesville, in elementary school and on through high school, Ed and Lori Schwartz, just a few years ago, dear friends of ours who happened to be in our early service today, just a few years ago purchased Falling Spring and are, are uh, reconstructing it and building us a beautiful home. Well, that day in 1865, as Captain Martindale went up the driveway to Falling Spring, uh, Falling Spring, by the way, was built um, by William, Colonel William A. Morgan. Here he is. And in fact, I believe this is one of the grandfathers of D.L. and Jacob here and Joseph um, Morgan. And uh, I'm not sure which order, but a great, great granddad, maybe D.L. Um, he doesn't know either. He'll figure it out. Um, but this is... Um, William A. Morgan, who built Falling Spring, who lived there at the time of the Civil War. He lived there with his wife, Anna. There's a picture of Anna. And Anna and her children lived there at Falling Spring while William went away with his horse and joined the, the 1st Virginia Cavalry under, uh, Cavalry under Jeb Stewart. Well, this particular afternoon when Fountain Rock was burned to the ground, Captain Martindale and his New York riders rode up the driveway of Falling Spring. You can go there today if you wanted to see it. Anna Morgan came out on the porch. She began to argue with Captain Martindale. She began to insist as they hollered for them to gather their things and, and evacuate the premise and prepared their straw and their kerosene to burn Falling Spring to the ground. Anna Morgan argued with Captain Martindale and told him that his orders were confused and he was not to burn her home down. She refused to capitulate. After they went back and forth, Anna said, let me see your orders. He waved his orders in the air and said, I have orders to burn this home. She said, let me see. And she looked and sure enough, the orders were to burn Bedford, another home that was located uh, near where Covenant Baptist Church is today. And so Captain Martindale and his troops turned and went back up the driveway, and Anna Morgan saved her home. Years later, a group picture was taken in front of that home, and it looks similar to that today. There's been big porches added to the front of that house. It was hit by cannonball uh, during uh, skirmishes at Shepherdstown, and even uh, Antietam impacted it. Uh, 
William Morgan, who rode with Jeb Stewart, is left of center. He's the white-haired man, uh, left of center, just about underneath the farthest left column. And you can see William Morgan at his home that was preserved by his wife, Anna, in her boldness and in her stubbornness to protect her home. Another interesting fact, we don't have time to talk about it, but it's most interesting, uh, and some of you know more about this than I, uh, but another notable uh, historical event that happened on the lawns of Falling Spring Spring, was the gathering of a community-wide picnic out of Shepherdstown when uh, nearly 100 years before that, in 1775, after the first shots had been fired in Lexington and Concord, General Washington and the Continental Congress called for militias to be formed. They specifically called for 10 different rifle units to be formed. Two were to come out of Virginia, and General Washington recommended that another Morgan, another one of your granddads there, D.L., I believe, uh, Daniel Morgan, or a great uncle of, of sorts, Daniel Morgan out of the Winchester area um, under the um, request of George Washington formed a militia, trained them for about six weeks. Here in Shepherdstown, a Hugh Stevenson formed a militia and uh, they had agreed to meet in Frederick once they were trained and they needed to march up to Boston to join General George Washington in the revolution as it was springing up at this time, and now blood was going to be shed for our freedom. Well, Daniel Morgan wanted to get there first and impress George Washington, so he didn't wait at Frederick, where they had agreed to, to meet in Frederick, Maryland. At this time, of course, Shepherdstown was part of Virginia. It was called, this area was called Western Augusta. And uh, uh, Hugh Stevenson on... Uh, July, uh, on uh, July 16th, 1775, a huge community picnic was held at Falling Spring property and a community picnic to send them off. What happened next was, as he went to Frederick and found that Daniel Morgan had, had already taken off and left him in, behind, Hugh Stevenson and his men from Shepherdstown then marched 600 miles to Boston trying to overtake him and they had a competition to see who could get there first. And uh, they arrived in Cambridge, Massachusetts from Shepherdstown, West Virginia, a 600 mile hike and they did that in 26 days, um, averaging nearly 30 miles a day with all of their gear and the rugged terrain and it is called to this day the Beeline March. And it is a well-known event and if you visit the cemetery in Shepherdstown, there's a plaque that'll tell you about it, I would encourage you to do that. Don't we love these stories of our heritage? Don't we love people like Anna Williams who would argue with that old Yankee? Don't we love people like Hugh Stevenson who would assemble his men and who had the character of leadership that his men would follow him on such a beeline march? And the stories go on and on and through the years and they are part of what has made our country what it is today. Men and women of courage, men and women of conviction, men and women, many of whom were God-fearing, principled people. Well, I was thinking about how to encourage us this 4th of July weekend in the midst of a culture and a context that we all have to agree is on the downgrade, even though there's, you know, uh, the church and other righteous people are praying and standing for righteousness, uh, yet there's such chaos and confusion in our country we're not a perfect country. What kind of people do we need today to make America great? What kind of people do we need today? 
Looking at biblical examples, can I suggest just quickly in the final 10 minutes, three kinds of people that we need for God to bless America. The first I would like to suggest is that we need, first of all, spiritual leaders who fearlessly stand for God with authority. We need spiritual leaders who fearlessly stand for God with authority. As you turn to Jeremiah chapter 2, and I want to look at just two verses, we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture for biblical examples this morning. But would you agree with me that it is, it is likely that there is a relationship between the downgrade of the pulpits of our nation and the downgrade of the nation itself. That as we have spiritual leaders who capitulate to liberal theology, who become embarrassed of their Bibles, who don't believe the words of their Bibles, who don't believe that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life, that God pulls back his blessing from that nation and the entire nation ends up on the skids of downgrade. What we need today are we need spiritual leaders who teach the youngest to the oldest, the smallest groups to the largest groups, to stand fearlessly with conviction, with authority on the word of God. If you think about it in scripture, we have many examples. Elijah At Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal stood with authority, saved the nation. Jonah, after he got his act together by chapter 3 of his little book in Jonah, he ends up then doing in obedience what God had called him to do and ends up in Nineveh crying out for that nation, that city-state, to turn and repent of their sinfulness. And we have a great testimony in Jonah chapter 3 of the king's repentance and leading the nation in revival because of the fearlessness of Jonah. Once he obeyed God. We have many examples in scripture. Moses is another example. But I want you to think about the prophet Jeremiah crying out against a sinful nation. Recognizing that their nation was indeed on the downgrade. That immorality was rampant. Idolatry was prevalent and accepted. The king's hearts were turning against the Lord. And part of the problem... At the root of the problem where the priests and the prophets and the spiritual leaders were turning away from God. And so the people turned away from God. And so God was removing his hand of blessing. Let's just look briefly at two different verses here. Two verses. Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. And he says, The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. Think about that. Those who handled the law didn't even know God. And we're abbreviating this. They did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, and they went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children I will contend. But he goes on and he says in verse 11, Has a nation changed its God even though they are not God? Be appalled, he says in verse 12. And the message is powerful and strong in Jeremiah. That's enough to give you a flavor that the spiritual leaders had capitulated to the spirit of the age. If God is going to preserve America, we need our pulpits to be filled by men who have the spirit of Anna Morgan and Hugh Stevenson only on the spiritual end of the spectrum, who fearlessly stand for God 
with authority. The second kind of person that we need in our country today is we need political leaders. We need political leaders who publicly acknowledge God in humility. We need political leaders who publicly acknowledge God in all humility. Throughout scripture, we have numerous illustrations that when God was ready to bring judgment upon a nation, when the political leaders of that nation acknowledged God as their authority and humbled themselves in the sight of God, he held back his hand of judgment. There's no greater illustration, I don't think, than in Daniel chapter 4. You're in Jeremiah, just turn to your right in your Bible through Ezekiel and come to Daniel. And Daniel chapter 4, I want you to see here just briefly, this is where Daniel has had a dream. Excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the greatest king of the, of the world that day, of that day, what we're talking about is geographically what is today the nation of Iraq and essentially his kingdom was in Baghdad, Iraq, that vicinity right outside of Baghdad. And Nebuchadnezzar was the great king of all the earth at this time. He had a dream. He had multiple dreams in the book of Daniel. It's most interesting. And you'll notice that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed he wanted to know the answer and God raised up Daniel to give him God's man Daniel to whisper into the king's ear a righteous man in the middle of a pagan kingdom. Uh, This dream is long and detailed. It's interesting. It had to do with a great tree that was thriving. And then that tree was cut down and banded. And Daniel looks at the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, O king, if you don't humble yourself, that tree is a picture of you. A great, healthy, nourished tree will be cut down to a stump if you don't acknowledge God. King Nebuchadnezzar, in his arrogance, did not pay attention. Let's pick it up at verse 28 of chapter 4 and read rather quickly. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. So 12 months from the time King Nebuchadnezzar was told the meaning of his dream by Daniel, God's man Daniel. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? He, he participates here in glorious self-adulation as he looks across his kingdom and as he looks in the mirror, he knows of no one finer than himself. Kind of reminds us of someone that we must pray for these days. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, probably meaning seven years, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle feathers, and his nails were like bird cl- bird's claws. He went out of his ever-loving mind and became a raven maniac. They couldn't even get him to practice normal hygiene. And for evidently up to seven years, God humbled the greatest king, one of the greatest kings who ever walked on the earth, and he lived like an animal, like a beast. And then one day he comes to his sentence, senses. You know, 
Some of you have testimonies like the prodigal son and like Nebuchadnezzar. You were living like a beast and one day you came to your senses and you recognized that Almighty God had a plan for your life through Jesus Christ. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 34, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever for His dominion. Listen to the praise and adoration following His humiliation. So self-adoration is followed by humiliation and it results ultimately as He is humbled in praise and adoration to Almighty God. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? It's pretty good theology for a pagan king. Notice what else he says. It doesn't stop there. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. It occurred to me for the first time in my life as I prepared for this message that we will most likely see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. What a remarkable story. And think about what it did to the nation for this great king to come out and publicly, in all humility, acknowledge that God was God. We need to pray for our king. We need to pray for our vice king. We need to pray for our courts. And our leaders, and we need to pray that they would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We need to pray that they would humble themselves in the eyes of Almighty God before it's everlastingly too late. Well, our time is gone. There's a third kind of person. We're talking about three kinds of people that we need in our country today to see God hold back his hand of judgment and to see him open up his hand of blessing. Number one, we need spiritual leaders who fearlessly stand with God with authority. Number two, we need political leaders who publicly acknowledge God in all humility. And number three, this applies most to us, we need individual normal people who confidently live for God right here in their community. We need individuals, individual people who confidently live for God in their community. The text for this, and you can look it up later, It's Genesis chapter 18. Do you remember in Genesis 18, God had come in the form of an angel to visit Abraham. And Abraham had a nephew named Lot who had moved into Sodom. And God told Abraham he's going to judge Sodom for their great sinfulness. Abraham, concerned for his son Lot, begins a debate with God and he intercedes on behalf of Lot. And Abraham says to God, if there were 50 righteous people in Sodom, would you hold back your hand? And God says, I would indeed. And he argued with God all the way down to 10. And he said, God, if there are 10 righteous people in Sodom, would you hold back your hand of judgment? And God says, if I can find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I will hold back my hand of judgment. And he couldn't. And he poured out brimstone and fire upon that city. And men, women, boys, and girls died of fire. Sodom, or Lot, barely escaped. And his wife ended up dying because she hated to see Sodom burn. What does that say to us? 
know what it said to me? It occurred to me that this means that the local church in every community is so important. Not only for the gospel to go out to boys and girls and to lead families and strengthen marriages and, and to help people become disciples of Jesus Christ, but to be the very preserving agent of the community. You think a, a little white church on the corner of 480 and Route 9 that's becoming a Bible church with about 14 people doesn't matter? God would find 10 righteous people in Carneysville. It matters. You think 30 or 40 people in downtown Bakerton, West Virginia doesn't matter? It's insignificant and inconsequential. If there's 10 righteous people there, it's a preserving agent to the community. It seems to me that every identifiable community ought to have at least 10 righteous people in it just to hold back the judgment of God. What does it mean to us as the church? That the greatest thing we can do as Americans is live for Jesus, share Christ with our neighbors, and walk in humble obedience to the word of God. That God would indeed be able to bless America. Blessed is the nation, Psalm 33, whose God is the Lord. Amen? Let's stand and pray. And so, Father, we humble our hearts this morning. And we do pray for our country. And we do want to think and speak highly of our country. And yet, Lord, we recognize there are many, many difficult issues and that sin is crumbling the foundations of our great land. And, and Father, we pray for our president, our vice president, and our leaders. And I pray that they would humble their hearts before you and make public proclamation of the greatness of you the one and only true God, our creator. Father, would you help us as your church to be a, a living, vibrant, thriving church, representing you well, loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving the word of God, humbling our hearts and walking in obedience, hating sin, raising up the next generation to be disciples of Jesus Christ, never being embarrassed or ashamed of the cross or the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we would indeed be a preserving agent to our great nation. And so this 4th of July and the birthday of our nation, we thank you for those, as the choir has already acknowledged and sung, we thank you for those who've given their lives for our freedom. And I pray that you would help us to stand with courage for righteousness and freedom here in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.